So, um, we're going to be looking at uh, a passage of scripture this morning that is from the Gospel of Matthew. And it is uh, chapter 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, verses 1 through 6. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Um, grab your Bible. Make sure you have your Bible with you every, every Sunday so that you have it to hand and we can just turn there. Um, what we're doing here, actually, is we're, we're following on from the passage that we looked at last week. Remember, if you were with us last week, uh, we were talking about um, not worrying. The Lord was saying, do not worry. And um, so we're going, we're jumping right on to the next uh, passage in Scripture. And we're going to actually camp in Matthew 7 for a, a next couple of weeks, actually, as we just uh, look at some of the things that Jesus was trying to, to teach us. All right, so Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And again, Jesus is talking here. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. You ever said, don't judge me? Have you ever said, who are you to judge me? How dare you judge me? Or perhaps you've, you've had somebody say that to you. Don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? We, we instinctually, we don't like being judged, do we? It feels, it feels awkward. It feels like somebody is making um, uh, ideas and forming ideas about you that may or may not be fair. And often when we are judged, sometimes that's accompanied by feelings of shame or embarrassment. But nobody, nobody likes, likes to be judged. What, what does it mean to judge somebody or to, to make a judgment? When we look at that word judge, you know, in this case, I'm not really talking about, uh, say, judges in the courtroom. Um, although, of course, judges make judgments all the time. I mean, think about it. They're probably some of the most judgmental people <laughs> as part of their job. But I'm not talking about that kind of judge. When we say, don't judge me, we often connect it with negative connotations. But you know, that's not always the case. Um, we make harmless judgments all the time. Like, for example, when you cross the street, you look both ways, and then you decide whether to continue walking or not. That's a judgment. You made a judgment call. We hear that phrase a lot, don't we? I had to, I had to make a judgment call. We make judgment calls all the time. I, I made a judgment call yesterday, and I had to decide whether I was going to have the healthy salad or Burger King. And I made a judgment call. Might not have been the best judgment call because I had the burger. But I made a judgment call. Which am I going to go with? Which am I going to enjoy more? Which is going to be better for me? But here in this passage that we read today, it's clear that, that Jesus is talking about the negative kind of judgment we think of when we hear the word judge. And these 
are the kind of judgments we make about other people or about situations. You know, we, you may or may not realize it, but don't you find yourself all the time making judgments about people? And sometimes we make judgments about people we don't even know. We form a, an opinion about somebody we have nothing to do with. You know, I found that, um, you know, supermarkets are great places for this. You remember, you know, um, back in the days of old, in ancient times, uh, when you could actually go in a supermarket without a mask and you didn't have to be six feet apart. I know that feels like centuries ago. But this is a classic place where people are making judgments all the time. You know, we might be standing in the checkout line. And for some reason, you take an immediate dislike to the person in front of you. You don't know. But all these negative thoughts start going through your head. Yeah, look at this idiot here. Yeah, what's going on with their hair? Or maybe you start judging their groceries. And you start looking at what they're putting on the, uh, the, uh, uh, the slider. Then you're like, oh, mm, what, a, what a junk food there. Mm, not many vegetables. Mm -hmm. We start making judgments about people all the time. Often they're not fair judgments at all. But um, these are the kind of judgments that we often make. And uh, there's a, a corporate image consultant, uh, a brand strategist by the name of Anna Hinson, and she made this observation. She said that within the first seven seconds of meeting someone, our brain makes at least 11 different decisions about that person, including their intelligence, their socioeconomic status, their education, their competence, and their trustworthiness. All that in about seven seconds of meeting somebody. It's really connected, isn't it, to, you know, your, uh, the first impressions count sort of deal. But it's a subconscious process that we're often not aware of. And of course, this is where many of our inherent prejudices come from. I mean, think of it, that's what the word prejudice means. It means to prejudge, to make a judgment call on something or someone before you really know all the facts or really know the person. And our society is rife right now with prejudice, prejudgments, okay? Because we all like to feed ourselves with things that are going to make us feel better about our point of view. It's why you watch certain news stations. It's why you go to certain websites to get your news. You want to be affirmed in what you want to believe. And you're making judgments all the time about certain situations without, let's be honest, really knowing all the facts. And this is what Jesus is warning against here when he says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. And then he goes on in verse 2 to say, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that when you judge someone, you are actually inviting judgment on yourself. If you judge someone harshly, you are inviting harsh judgment in return. And think about it, that really is kind of the way life works, okay? If you don't have a lot of time or grace for somebody and you judge them harshly, guess what? When it comes time for you to need a little grace in your life and a little forgiveness, often you're going to find that same person is going to treat you the same way. So when we judge people, we can expect others to judge us in the same vein. But also, Jesus is pointing to the fact that not only will people judge us, but God will also judge us by the way that we judge others. And this is why Jesus goes on to make this comparison between a speck in someone's eye and a two-by-four in your own eye. 
It's really what he's saying here. He says in verse 3, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Obviously, Jesus is, is exaggerating here. He's, he's using hyperbole. He's not suggesting that people are walking around with planks sticking out of their eyes. But he's trying to make a point, and the point is this. You are focusing on the wrong thing. When you judge somebody else, you are focusing on the wrong thing. Because instead of focusing on someone else and all their faults, how about you turn and look in the mirror and focus on getting your own house in order first. How can you say to your brother, Jesus says, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Notice there that um, there's a certain kind of condescension here for someone to say to somebody else, hey, hey, let, let, me, um, let me correct you here. Let me, let me get that little speck because I I'm obviously in a much better place than you, and I'm, I'm further along than you, and so I'll just remove this speck. It's kind of patronizing, isn't it? Because it's suggesting that you have it all together, that you don't need anything removing from your eyes, and that you see things clearly. And all this person needs is for you to remove that speck so they can see things clearly just like you do. It's because of this attitude, that attitude in the heart that many of us can have, that Jesus says, you hypocrite. It's a strong word. He says, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. You know, we can, we can be blinded and often are by our own prejudices. In a sense, our prejudices are like two-by-fours that are in stuck in our eyes. I mean, think, if you literally had a two-by-four in your eye, you would be blind. You wouldn't be able to see anything. And Jesus is saying, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be calling out people and judging them when you don't have it all together yourself. Work on yourself first and your own judgmental heart, and then you will be in a position to help others. Now notice something here. Jesus doesn't say that the speck in the other person's eye is okay. He's not saying, oh, just leave it there. It doesn't need to be removed. No, he's not saying that at all. But what he is saying is that you will be a hypocrite if you don't tend to your own heart first. We need to tend to our own hearts first. What are the motives? What are the, what are the reasons for how we act and speak? What is going on in our heart? Is it coming from a godly, holy place? Or is it coming from a selfish, judgmental place? But here's the thing. If you tend to your own heart, if you do that, and tend to the motives of your heart, then when you try to help others and try to show people where in their life they might need some work or some growth, it will not be coming from a place of judgment, but from a place of humility. It won't be coming from a place of judgment, it will be coming from a place of humility. And people can tell the difference. People know the difference. Let me give you an example, right? But maybe you have a friend, or perhaps it's your spouse, or, or just somebody you know well, and they've, they've um, confided in you a lot that they're not happy with their weight. You know, they're sick of being overweight, and they, you know, they, they want to lose some weight, and you know, they're just, oh, it's such a struggle. And there they are going for the third or fourth donut. And you say to them, really? You're going to have another donut? When you say it like that, that is full of judgment. 
It's full of condemnation. And the person who receives that, you know what they're going to experience? Shame. Shame. That's what judgment does when, when you, it is poured on you from somebody else. It creates this sense of shame. But instead of that, what if instead you say, hey, come on, man, I love you. I know you're unhappy with your weight. Guarantee if you eat that, you're going to regret it. I know I've been there. Totally different approach. Now they feel the love of it, not the judgment of it. Our approach is so important. One approach makes you a hypocrite. And the other makes you genuine and someone of integrity who is acting out of love. You know, and this, this kind of extends to the church. Um, one of the major reasons that so many people are turned off by the church, the church universal, and what they would define as organized religion, is because of what they see as mass hypocrisy and a sense of hyper-judgmentalism in the church. People immediately feel judged by the church. You know, I experienced this uh, as a passive. I'm chatting to somebody, um, and, um, you know, it's a stranger or whatever, or, or somebody I don't know very well, and then he gets around to, oh, so what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. There's so, so often there is this immediate switch where they get a little suspicious, and they get a little, they wonder if I'm judging them because I'm a pastor. And of course I'm not. I, I, as, as your pastor, I am not here to point fingers. And realize I'm pointing a finger right there. But I'm not here to point fingers. I'm here to hold your hand and to walk with you through your struggles. And that's what the church should be about. That's what ministers should be about. That's what we should be about. Not heaping judgment on one another, but loving one another and helping one another through our struggles in life. But many people, they feel nothing but judgment from other Christians. And to put the nail in the coffin, they often see Christians acting in ways that are hypocritical. So it just reaffirms their prejudgments, their prejudices. But often they see us criticizing one thing, but then we don't live our lives with the same integrity. We are pointing at all the specks in other people's eyes, but seem to be oblivious to the two by fours in our own. And you know, here's the interesting thing. If you know somebody who's very judgmental, or uh, you, 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 you realize you're a judgmental person yourself. Often our own judgmentalism comes from our own insecurities. We often judge and criticize the things that actually deep down we have a problem with. So, you know, say, it's so interesting. Some of the most ardent critics of, say, pornography secretly have issues with pornography themselves. And it's a way of, of deferring, of, of, of putting off their own sense of uh, shame and guilt about something is to go on the attack. So often that's that's one of the roots of being judgmental. And you know a lot of a lot of the criticism to Christians and the church is fair. It's fair. It's deserved. But some of it's not. But let me let you in to a secret. I'm going to let you in to a secret here that often comes as a surprise to people as Christians. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are not called to judge others who are not believers. That's not our place. It's not our role. God is the one who judges. So your secular friends, your Jewish friends, your Muslim friends, whoever, people who don't believe in Jesus, it is not our role to criticize and judge them. God is the one who judges. And he will judge all, both those who believe and those who don't believe. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 
chapter 5, verses 12 and 13 says. Paul writes this, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. So Paul is reminding us here that it's not our business to judge the world around us. I mean, think about it, folks. It's a no-brainer that people who don't believe in Jesus, don't adhere to his teachings, don't think he was real, all that stuff, they're not going to live lives that honor Jesus, that honor God. They're just not going to. And we can't blame them for that. They don't believe it. It's, 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 it's a no-brainer that they're not going to act the way that we are called to act by Jesus. And God will be the one who judges and takes care of that. Now, we are, however, called to one another as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ to a higher standard. And so that does mean that if you or I, who call ourselves Christians, are not living a life that honours God, maybe we're walking in some kind of deliberate and repetitive, unrepentant uh, sin issue in our life, and we're doing that while saying, oh yes, I'm a, I'm a Christian, a follower of Christ, then yes, we are called to one another, to call each other out, to rebuke one another and correct each other in humility and love. Because that is the loving thing to do. If you've, de if you've decided to follow Christ, then yes, we are called to a higher standard than the rest of the world. And part of the role of the church is to bolster one another up when we're weak, when we make mistakes, when we do things that aren't pleasing to God. It's okay because we have a family of brothers and sisters around to lift us up. But for, for those who don't believe, and those who perhaps heap scorn upon your faith, who laugh at you, think you're an idiot for believing in God, stop judging. Stop judging them. That is God's job. God does this through Jesus. Listen to what Acts chapter 17 verse 31 says. He has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So Jesus will be the one to judge the world, not us. And this leads us to the last verse of this passage, which when you read it, it seems a little, it seems a bit strange, a bit out of place. Verse 6, listen to it again. It says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. As I began studying this passage this week, I was thinking, how, how does this fit with what Jesus just said? What, what does this mean? Well, dogs and pigs were considered unclean animals in Judaism. And, and as believers and people of faith, you will most likely experience in your life people who will make fun of you and ridicule you for your faith and beliefs. In fact, if you haven't experienced any of that, then it's probably because your colleagues and work friends and all that, perhaps they don't know you're a Christian. Perhaps they don't see anything different about how you live your life and act and how you speak. And if that's the case, that's a whole other sermon that we won't get into this week. But Jesus is telling us that while we shouldn't prejudge who might or might not accept the message of the gospel, neither should we try to force it on anyone who's not interested. That is like giving pearls to pigs who have no respect or value for something that is precious. And folks, there is nothing more precious than the gospel. There's nothing more precious than the fact that God loved us so much 
and saw that we couldn't help ourselves, we couldn't bail ourselves out, that he sent his one and only son, the most prized possession, complete goodness, to go on the cross for us, to take all the badness and all the evil of the world upon himself, so that we didn't have to. That, folks, is the most precious, precious gift in the world, the gospel. And there are people who are not interested, who will throw it away. It's like throwing pearls to pigs, who will not appreciate it, will not understand the value and the beauty of the gospel. And what it means is that we, we pray for everyone and we try to love everyone, but we have to pick who we invest in and pour our lives into very carefully. If someone's not interested in hearing about Jesus, if they're not interested in hearing about God, if they're not interested about the good news of the gospel, then don't judge them. Just move on. Move on. Again, God is the one who will judge, and he is also the one who stirs the hearts and minds of those who don't know him. Yes, we're to share the gospel, but there comes a point where you have to move on if somebody's not open and receptive, and that's okay because it's God's problem not ours so what can we learn from this passage this morning we're not called to judge others we're called to love them there is a place within the church where as fellow believers we are to correct and challenge one another in love when we are not honoring the lord but for those who don't know the power and the love of jesus we are called to be that love to them we're called to be the love of Jesus Christ to those around us. You don't bring someone to Christ through judgment. You bring them to Christ through love.